Amen. Everyone ready for the word? Excellent. Great. Anyone else ready for the word? <laughs> awesome. God is good. So, we've been talking for a number of weeks, of course, about our family church values. Coming towards an, uh, towards an end now. There's two more after today. Coming towards an end now. Um, obviously, we talked a lot about a defined culture as, as, as a church. To define um, the culture of our church and not just to allow it to be a default, but to define it for it to be based on, on biblical principles. And we looked at a whole number of things so far the last couple of weeks. I've had a couple of other speakers. So I had Ian a couple of weeks ago talking about we are worshippers. And uh, Steve Smith last week talking about we are Bible believing, the importance of the Word of God and, and why it's so important to keep it central um, in our lives. It's been, it's been great. Thank you, Steve and Ian, for those. What we're going to talk about today, as I mentioned earlier, is we are honourable. We are honourable people. And what it means is that we, or well, kind of a strap line for that, we're giving, we give honour where God says that it is due. Where God says honour is due, that's, that's, what, that's what, where we should give honour. What, what God values is what we should, we should value. Amen? You know, the Bible says we should be transformed by the renewal of our minds as our thinking it, it becomes more, like, more in line with what, the way God thinks what God values is, is what we value. Amen. What God honors is what we is what we honor. And of course, we did that earlier by you know, honoring those who, those who've given our given our lives. That's a great Christian Christian principle to give honor where honor is due. Amen. And we honor all those, of course, who, who are still in the armed forces and all the the RAF, the Royal Air Force, the Royal Navy and Army, the Royal Marines and SBS, SAS, all those people all around the world doing. All kind of stuff, often covert. We never know anything about it. We don't even know what they do, but just but keeping us but keeping us safe. And we thank God for all of them and the sacrifices that they make. So that's, that's an important part of, of of honoring, you know. But when it comes to honoring, the first place, and this is the first place we should always should start is with Jesus. Amen. It's the best place to start, and where we always should begin is is with Jesus. In the Book of John, John writes this. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So, of course, as Christian believers, this is, this is the, the central part where we always start, is by honoring Jesus. We, we've just, in, in what course did leading up to the message then, it was all about laying down our lives, wasn't it? By giving God his rightful place. In every ever life, by surrendering, as Ian was singing out, by, by, by surrendering, accepting the reality of who Jesus is, who God is, and, and surrendering our lives to him. That, that, that's how we honor him. Amen? Did the word honor there, the Greek word used there originally by John, is the word uh, tomeo. And it literally means to estimate or fix the, fix the value, or to honor, to revere, to venerate, or to, for the value of something belonging to you. So, basically, in essence, it means to value. Is another way, way, way we could describe it. So, what does it mean to honor Jesus with our lives? We're going to look at various things, aspects of our lives, where we put honor. Because when we're putting honor where God puts honor. That's, that's the right thing to do. That's how we should live. So, what does it mean to honor Jesus? Well, it literally means putting, well, what I believe is it means putting value on our relationship with Jesus. So, my question to you this morning, how much do you value your relationship with Jesus. You know, when it comes to valuable things in, in, in life, then, then hopefully we, we look after them. You know, if you've got, like say, you've got a really expensive car, for example, great, if you have, of course, bless you in that way, then you probably can look after, aren't you? 
And there's, there's lots of other things in, in, in life. If you've got lots of valuables, like valuable jewellery or valuable things in your house, then somebody, you have to tell your insurance company about them, don't you? Ian's got loads. Lego, I think Ian just... <laughs> Lego. Lego, Ian. You don't need to tell your insurance company about Lego. <laughs> but if you... <laughs> Lego is great. But if you've got lots of valuable things, you have to tell your insurance company, don't you, specifically about them, because they, they want to know, because if you ever, you know, God forbid, that would happen, but if you ever were burgled, um, then those things would be specifically insured and it would all be, it'd all be covered, Right? Because, because we put value on it, right? So how much do we value our relationship with Jesus? You know, as, as believers, I believe we should never, ever take our relationship with Jesus for granted. And if you've been a Christian for a while, it can be very easy to go into that mode. I'm just being, being honest. I've done it in my life. Where you always like become almost like so laid back about the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus because it's just what you've always known or known for a very long time. You almost, you almost forget just how amazing it is, how magnificent it is, what an incredible thing it is, what, what Jesus rescued us from. It's easy to get into that mode, isn't it? You almost like forget and take it for granted. Let's never ever be like that. It's every, every, every day we're thanking Jesus for what he has done for us and relationship we now have to the, far, to the Father, free access we have to the Father because of what Jesus has done on the cross. We're so, so blessed. We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ as Paul descri- Apostle Paul describes it. Um, what a valuable thing we have that is worth treasuring and valuing and looking after. Amen? Let's honor, let's make sure before anything else we honor Jesus and we value Jesus and we value our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's kind of move on. I'm going to look at some, some specific kind of just different areas of our life where, where God says, but honor, so, so we're going to honor them. This is all just based on what the Bible says about where we should put honor. So that's what we do. So I'm going to start with, and these are not in order of importance, just in the order I wrote them down. Okay, the first one is finances. In the book of Proverbs, there's Solomon, his great book of, book of wisdom, uh, and Proverbs, and, and, and Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes, other things that he wrote. You know, Proverbs 3, verses 9 to 10, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Haven't got any crops? <laughs> then your barns, and I've got any barns? Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I've got any wine vats? Probably not. Okay. But obviously, the context of which this was written, <laughs> I think Tasha has. Oh, okay. <laughs> but look, she just gave down. I don't know. Anyway, but obviously, the context of which this was written is almost everyone was involved in agriculture. Almost all jobs were agricultural. That's just that was the reality. You know, many of the parables that Jesus talks that are based in agriculture, aren't they? Because it's what everyone would have understood. Is what it's what everyone did, right? There would there weren't, wasn't the kind of the wide variety of jobs that we'd have in, in this day and age. It's kind of like you had to, you know, you were involved in farming of some, some description, whether you had your own, you know, your own business or you were working for other people. That's what the vast majority of people did, or, or you know, or shepherding, or that, you know, something related to animals, etc. Because um, it was all just about keeping yourself alive <laughs> and feeding yourself was, was kind of was the fundamental thing that people had to do then. Anyway, so that's what obviously it oft, often talks about in an agricultural sense. Okay, so we don't need to like get confused by all this stuff. Well, I don't have any crops. I don't need to do anything with them. I don't own any crops. So I can't give any first fruits. I don't own a barn. Okay. But what I was just talking about is, is the principle, amen? Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, maybe this morning you don't feel, don't feel wealthy. Now, obviously, wealth is all relative anyway. What, what's wealthy and what isn't? You know, we, if we, in Britain, we would have a totally definition to what they would have in, say, a rural part of Africa. It would be totally different, wouldn't it? They would feel wealthy if they had a roof over their head and they could eat every day. That would, that would be wealth to them, which, which, which I'm sure we, well, we definitely all have, right? 
I can't remember the exact stats, but stats, but I think it's about the. I don't know. It's about twenty percent of the world's population have about eighty percent of the world's world's wealth. It's just it's just you know realities. You know, if you have a roof over your head and you have food in the fridge and and you know and you have a job and um, you have a bed to sleep in, you're in like the twentieth most wealthy people in the world. That's the reality. Those are the facts, right? So wealth is all relative, okay? But we know that God is our provider. So honor the Lord with your wealth. So that's just what we have. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. Then our barns will be filled to overflowing. And then, so this is, you know, the principle, again, of putting God first in our finances of tithing. We know everything comes from God. Amen. We need to understand in this economic situation, we're in, we're in a crazy economic situation, aren't we, worldwide? Just like, just like COVID, I believe God's shaking stuff. I don't mean God caused COVID. I don't misunderstand me. Okay, but I believe that God is allowing things to be shaken. This was all prophesied in Matthew 26, uh, as Jesus talked about the end times and all the things that would happen. You know, wars and rumors of wars and, and famines and earthquakes and pestilence and other stuff that would be like the birth, birth pains. That's kind of how Jesus, Jesus described it. And that's, I believe that's what's happening in our world. The foundations on which our world has been built and God is, God is allowing them to be shaken. You know, people have always trusted in the health world, especially in the West, we're always going to be healthy and some this monumental disease comes around. And it's like, well, we, we, we can trust in the economy. Suddenly all that's shifted and gone, gone, gone crazy in, you know, in just a matter of years. You know, but even in the economic situation we're in, let's make sure that, that, that God, we know that God is our source. Amen. And we honor him, um, you know, with our finances, give him first place. Everything comes from him. Here's our, here's our provider. Amen. You know, of course, that means, means tithing. We've got a vision offering going on. I'm not saying this to didn't say all this just to bring up the vision offering, but it's still true. We're doing a vision offering through November. It's a great opportunity to, to give into the work of the church and all that, all that God's, God's calling us to do, to sow into our kids and our youth and community and other, other stuff. Amen. So I'd encourage you to, to do that if you, if you can. Amen. But let's honor God with our finances. Amen. Let's honor God in, in what we do with our finances. Let's, let's be people who, who manage our finances well. The Bible says that we're, we're, we're called to be stewards. Let's steward those finances well. And let's make sure our trust is in God. The, news, the world does what the world does. The news is not full of much good news these days, is it? Um, let's honor God with our finances. Putting our trust completely in him. Not Our trust is not in employees. It's not in governments. It's not in anything else. It's in God himself as, as our source and our provider. Amen. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad about that? You know, this goes back to what Wendy was saying about what we build our life upon, isn't it? This world is shifting sands. If you're going to build your life on sand, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to have no hope. You're not going to sleep. You're going to be full of anxiety, stress, worry, depression. But when you, when you choose to build your life upon the rock, your whole outlook is going to look totally different. Amen? Because you're building your life on a sure foundation. Amen. So we honor what God honors. We, we honor him with our finances. Here's, here's some other things to look at. We honor parents and parenting. Ephesians 6, verse 2 to 3 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Wow. For this is right. Honor your father and mother with his first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and may enjoy long life on the earth. It's mentioned in Matthew 19, verse 16 by Jesus as well. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one, there is only one who is good. Of course, Jesus was good. He was referring to his father here and the fact that Jesus was God himself. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. And if you know more about the story, the man was trying to justify himself. But Jesus replied, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. 
So as, as a church, as, as a people, we, we decided to be uh, a body of people, of church family, where we honor parenting. You know, parenting matters. Again, in this world, we just, we just kind of got confused uh, about, these, about these issues and, or maybe the value that goes on them. You know, and I know this from my own life. I've been brought up in a Christian home. I know the difference is made to my, to my own kids. Jack's not there, but Lisa's there. <laughs> You're not a kid anymore, I know. <laughs> that that we, we know the difference that good, godly parenting makes. It makes a monumental difference in the life of a child. Now, of course, when children get to an age where they can make their own decisions, sometimes they may make decisions that you don't like. Of course, that can happen. Even if you've been the best parent in the world, that can still happen. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's part of growing up. They can make their own decisions, right? We just know that's a reality for some people. But we know the difference a good, godly parent who makes. Train a child. We haven't got that one on the screen. But you know, train a child up in the way she go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. We believe in just sowing those principles into kids. And we honor you as parents for the sacrifices that you make for your children. It is a sacrificial thing, isn't it, being a parent? I mean, sacrificing money. I mean, sacrificing time. I mean, sacrificing things that you may want to do uh, that you can't do because you just don't have the time or the capacity or, or whatever. Um, it is, it's very much a sacrificial lifestyle, isn't it, being a parent? It's, it's a, it can be very demanding. Um, it can be unfair at times. <laughs> it can be sleepless nights. It can mean all sorts of things, can't it? Being, being a parent. But we, we honor you. And as a church, we should be, I, I believe we are, but we put honor on this. We honor parenting. And, and the difference that great, godly parenting makes... And if, you're, if, you've, if your children have grown up, or, or maybe they haven't even, even got to adulthood yet, but maybe are not following God, etc., we, we stand with you, absolutely, for, for them. Believing that God will bring back the prodigals and all the seed that you've sown over the years is, is still going to produce a harvest in their, in their lives. Amen. Amen. But we honor parenting. Believe that parenting matters, and the way we do parenting matters. And uh, Tasha, we talking about doing, having another parenting for faith course aren't we in, in the new year so if that's something that would interest you and I, well if you're a parent i'd encourage you to do it especially if you've got younger kids um, we'll look at doing that course um after christmas so that'd be really, really good but we, we we honor you and we honor the principle of godly parenting amen so we honor we honor, we honor god we honor jesus we honor finances we honor parenting we honor authority. So this is, this is, a, big, this is a big one. And as I wrote this, I thought, man, there's so much you, I could say here. This could be a whole like, message in itself. You know, because, you know, I think this is, this is like the world's biggest understatement. But we've had an interesting few years, haven't we, in our politics? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, there's people in this congregation who are older than me, but I've been around long enough to remember, you know, back to Margaret Thatcher and that kind of era and whatever you think about Margaret Thatcher, at least it was stability. And it's kind of like, um, you know, all those that kind of came, came since. And, you know, well, we have four, five prime ministers in the last six years. Um, and uh, I, think, I think they said the, the previous four prime ministers lasted nearly 30 years. And we've had like five since in the last six. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just been all over. The, it's just been kind of all over the place politically. And the kind of, you know, you may have different views about... Um, politics and whether people deserve honor and i can understand that but the reality is the bible says we should honor authority so we kind of have to maybe we have to wrestle with this a bit i, I get that we do because sometimes we kind of think well i don't, I don't know if they deserve honor are they doing things for their own ends this could be true whether people are in government whether in the opposition wanting to get into government i'm not making any political points here this morning this could be reality about lots of people can't it but this is what Romans 13, 1 to 2 says. And you've got to remember with, with Paul, the governing authorities at the time were, were, not, were not great, were they? The Romans were 
like far worse than anything we see these, these days. They, they definitely did everything for selfish motives. Romans 31 to 2, Paul writes, writes this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Wow, okay. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> you know, sometimes you do have to wrestle with Scripture. I'm, I'm serious. You do, to some extent. You think, actually, I don't really know what to do. Where do I even start with that? But, but this is Scripture. We're, we're Bible-believing people. We talked about this last week. So we have to, we have to you, know, let, let, you know, allow God to, to help us this, to outwork in our lives. Amen? So we honor authority. When it comes to political, uh, you know, political decision-making, you know, do we honor politicians? Are we too harsh with politicians? You know, sometimes if you, I don't know if any of you use social media. If you go on social media, it's so harsh about those in authority. And they will criticize literally everything. <laughs> every, doesn't matter who, what political wig it is, they'll criticize everything. And, and I think as Christians, we need to be of a different, a different spirit. You know, would we want to be in their positions? Probably not. If we'd made their decisions, you know, if we'd been in charge during COVID... You know, during economic situations, could we have made decisions that were even worse than they made? Probably. If we're just real, if we're real about these things, do we really know any better? It's easy with hindsight to look at what people should or shouldn't have done. I think sometimes it's, we we can be too harsh as a society, and I think as Christians we need to be genuinely just careful with this about what we speak about people. So, do we respect the responsibility that that, that authorities carry in the incredibly difficult decisions that they have to make? You know, there's a bit of local level, our local, you know, New Forest District Council or parish councils or, or, the, or the government or the UN or, or whoever, the EU or, or whatever it may be, where things may be aimed at. But do respect authorities because the Bible says this is a Christian principle. Is what Paul's saying here. Amen. Do we respect the police, teachers, other people in authority? It's one of the, in my humble opinion, it's one of the biggest issues in our society. It's not respecting authority. Right. Now, of course, just to say on this, just before we move on to the next one, which makes it absolutely clear so there's no confusion, of course, where God's laws conflict with, with our own natural laws or UK laws, of course, God's law takes precedence. I just want to say that, just, so, just to be absolutely clear on that. Okay? Where God's laws conflict with the UK, are some, of our, some of our laws that exist, are they built on Christian principles? No, that's just the reality. Our country was built on Christian principles, yes, originally. Or Judeo-Christian principles would be the way it's described. Um, as was America and, and other Western countries. But are all the laws now based on Christian principles? Absolutely not. That, that's just a reality. Okay? So, of course, the, the principles that God's laws take precedence, but we respect authorities and what they, the decisions that authorities have to make. And it, it makes it clear there, Paul says, that they've been put in that position by God himself. Amen. It's a difficult one to talk about, isn't it? But it needs to be talked about. Because God says we need to honor what he honors. So we honor authority. And those in authority. And let's be praying. And the Bible, we haven't got the scripture, but it says that we should pray for those in authority. Because they've got very difficult decisions uh, to make. And they might make decisions with selfish motives. I'm sure that, ha- no doubt that happens. But, but there are a lot of good people involved in it as well who want to make good decisions and do care about the country and do want to make society, society better. But whether they do or they don't, let's be praying for them. Amen? 
We're praying for our authorities, praying for our government, praying for those who decide what to do in economics, praying for our new prime minister, hopefully be a prime minister for more, more than five minutes, and you know, praying for, pray for stability, praying that God is glorified on all, praying for our MPs, praying for those who are Christian MPs, as there is a whole handful across the parties of, of Christian MPs. Let's just be praying for them. Amen? That's what the Bible again calls us to do. We honor what God honors. Amen. Praise God. So parenting, authorities, finances, we honor Jesus, we honor marriage. Ian honors. <laughs> Ian's looking forward to this one. We honor, honor marriage. Amen. Now, before I kind of get into this, I just want to say as well that we very much honor people who are, who are single and recognize people who are single. I just want to make that, make that clear. The majority in this congregation are married. It's just a reality of our demographic. And I know some of your spouses may not, may not attend the church, but you're, you're married. And the majority of people in the congregation are married. But if you're, if you're not married, I don't want anyone to ever feel left out. I feel that, that, that yeah, the church is only for, for... I don't think you do think this, but I just want to just make this clear. That, that the church is just for married people. God, God loves marriage. But if you're, if you're single, we, we recognize you, we, we, we honor you. You know, and whatever the circumstance, that whether you're, you're looking for a spouse, whether you've been previously married, whatever the situation is, you, know, you find your completeness. And this is true for all of us, whether we're married or not. We find our completeness in Jesus. It's really, really important to say that. If you ever feel that because you're single, you're not complete, that's a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is. I'm serious. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We, we all find our completeness in Jesus. If you are married, you'll find your completeness in your partner, or your, your spouse, should say not partner, <laughs> your spouse. But I don't like the term partner. Um, not biblical. Anyway, if you find your completeness in, in your spouse, you, you're also missing the boat. That isn't where you find your completeness. Your completeness is in Jesus, whether you're married or you're single. Okay? So always know that if you are single, especially if you're looking for a spouse, yeah, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a bad thing. That's fine. As long as you're looking for a godly spouse. Okay? But you are totally complete in who you are. Don't ever think I'm not, you know, I'm not the whole person that I could possibly be because, I, because I'm not married. Because your completeness comes in Jesus. Your acceptance comes in Jesus. That's where your redemption, your hope, your, your love, everything comes from. Amen? Amen? So I just wanted to say that before I talked specifically about marriage. Okay? So uh, Hebrews 13 verse 4. The writer of Hebrews says this. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexual, sexually immoral. Now, the world is very... I'm going to make too many political points. They all make no political points, hopefully. But just, just, make an, just make a point. The world is very confused about marriage, isn't it? It's just, just my opinion. This is my observation. That the world is very, very, very confused about marriage. And very, very confused about the principle of marriage. And very confused about why the principle of marriage even exists. Because, you know, it's clear, and we know this as Christians, that it's something that God ordained. And I can remember when there was a whole kind of debate about civil partnerships, which then led to the same-sex marriage, which the government had promised it wouldn't, but anyway, still did. Anyway, um, and when there was a whole debate about that, and I remember a politician—not picking politicians, we just talk about honouring politicians here—but a politician they did say this, said, "Well, the church, the church don't own marriage." I thought, "Well, that's a, that's a statement and a half." I thought, "Well." So, so are you saying so are you saying that governments own marriage then? What are you saying here? If you're saying the church doesn't own marriage, let's face kind of like let's jump to the opposite side of what you're saying here, or the implication of what you're saying, which is basically is the government owned marriage. Well that's a very weird concept. You know, the principle of marriage was has been a religious ceremony for thousands of years. It was only ever a religious ceremony, it was nothing to do with governments. And whatsoever. 
It was only a religious, religious ceremony. That's the very foundation of what marriage is. As I say, I'm not making a political point of what I've just said. I'm saying this, this is what the Bible teaches, right? I'm just coming from a biblical point of view. So the world is very confused on marriage. It's very confused about why we have marriage. I think they're even confused about why they even recognize marriage because they don't seem, to under, don't seem to understand what even the history of it all. But we value marriage as a church. Amen? We honor marriage. We honor married people. Marriage is God's idea. That's the fundamental principle. Marriage is God's idea. Amen? And keeping marriage pure is God's idea. Again, the world is very confused on this. Half of marriages end in divorce. That's, I mean, Christian circles, obviously, that would be much, much lower. But in, in society as a whole, um, you know, almost half of marriages end in divorce. That's true across the Western world. Because marriages aren't being kept pure. Because they're not being built on godly foundations. Uh, so it says here, but keep your marriage pure, keep the marriage bed pure. Your marriage is such a powerful thing. It's something very powerful spiritually happens in marriage as well. I don't believe it's just about two people who fall in love as great as that is. You know, my wife, well, she's not there, I don't mind pointing out. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else does, but my wife loves Hallmark. She's like a Hallmark like freak. Some, people, some women do, some women may hate it, I don't know. But she loves that kind of soppy, romantic, so, predi- so predictable stuff. Um, now all the Hallmark Christmas movies are starting. So, oh no! So that'll be our. This will be sun, This will be our afternoon today, won't it? S- Sunday afternoon, Channel Five, all the Hallmark Channel, um, whatever should be on Netflix. So it'll be a Hallmark Christmas <laughs> movie. It's so predictable. For the first scene, you know what's going to happen. It's like, and I love. I really like movies. Um, you know, obviously, I'm careful about what I watch because you have to be obviously these days. But I do really like movies. It's just my way of relaxing and stuff. But these kind of movies, they're, they're so predictable. It's like, well, what's the point of sitting for an hour and a half? I know what's going to. I've seen two minutes. I know what's going to happen. Anyway, anyway, it's my, it's my little, <laughs> a little aside, a little aside on that. I don't. Why do I even say all that? Oh yeah, because <laughs> just digressing. Honouring wife. Oh yeah, honouring wife. That's what. I was, no. And the reason I said all that is because they can have kind of a very, you know, and, and I love my wife's romantic. I mean, who doesn't want a romantic wife? And I genuinely do, and I'm, I mean that. Who doesn't want a romantic wife? Okay. But, they, but what I would say is because they're so predictable and they're kind of like so superficial, those movies, I suppose that's what frustrates me, isn't it? But we, myself and Wendy, we were having a joke yesterday because when I woke up yesterday, um, Wendy was saying about I need to put some stuff in the shed. Yeah, these are conversations you have when you're married, aren't they? <laughs> he said, romance is dead. Wake up first thing in the morning. You need to put some stuff in the shed today. Okay. Which never actually ended up happening anyway. But anyway, <laughs> for various reasons, because you went out. Anyway, she said, you need to put some stuff in the shed. And I kind of, we have this whole kind of jokey conversation. I was like, you don't, that doesn't happen in Hallmark movies, does it? So, because they kind of, you know, they meet and then they kind of have a, is it a cute meet or meet cute? Lisa's been teaching me modern words. Is it meet cute, isn't it? Meet cute, isn't it? Which is a term that young people use, allegedly. Um, which, is, which is what often happens in these Hallmark movies where they kind of you know, bump, you know, accidentally bump into each other in the supermarket, in the snow, fall over, have an accidental kiss, or something weird happens. It's a little meet cute. And, but I said to Wendy, I said, but one thing that never happens with that, after they had this little meet cute and kind of like, oh, hello, I like you, they don't then said, right, you now you need to put some stuff in the shed. That does not happen, does it? <laughs> like, let's go on a date, let's do something romantic. But that's the reality of marriage, isn't it? You've got to do what you've got to do. Anyway, but <laughs> they can be frustrating because they're kind of a bit superficial, but marriage is, is so deep. That's, what, that's basically why I said all that to say this. Marriage is so deep. Amen? Now, the spiritual aspect of marriage is not just some kind of superficial thing where two people fall in love, and that is incredibly powerful. It is in itself. 
Love is an incredibly strong thing, you know. But you know, love we have from parents, the love we have from God, and and the, the love, the eros is the way the Greek would be the Greek word for it. That kind of uh, love and attraction between a man and a woman is incredibly powerful and incredibly strong, and it's something God created. Whatever the world says, it's not something they designed. It's something God designed. Amen. We have to remember that. Anyway, but it is a very powerful thing, marriage. When two people come together, they're both both godly people. They want to serve God. It's, it's like a power pack together. That's kind of how I describe it. Amen. What they can do for God together. Amen. Praise God. So we honor marriage because God honors marriage. We honor marriage. Amen. But remember, if you're single, whatever the circumstance, let you be single. Where you've lost, where you've lost a spouse. Well, not lost a spouse. You know where they are. They're in heaven. Not not lost them, but they're now in heaven. You know, or you, or you've been divorced, or you're just looking for a spouse. Then your completeness is completely found in Christ. Amen. Amen. So always remember that. Amen. Okay. So we honor authorities, parents, marriage. We honor older people. I was going to say the. I don't know whether to say the elderly. Older. What do you say? Ian. Yeah. Ian. Ian's younger than me, so I don't know what that says. Anyway, we honor older people. I wasn't going to write the elderly because I don't know. I wrote older people. Now, Leviticus 19.32 says this. Stand up in the presence of the aged, show respect for the elderly, and reveal your God. I am the Lord. So these, again, are things we need to take, take seriously. You know, it could be a very true reality for people, in, I'm not talking about in church circles here, but in society where as people get older, especially you get a lot older, where you kind of can feel like you're not noticed anymore, that people don't have the same respect anymore they used to have. It can feel like we're in a society where everything is about young people. You know, when social media and all that kind of stuff has made that, is a, is a huge kind of like generation gap, isn't there? And even I feel like that in my 40s <laughs> sometimes, you know, because I didn't grow up with social media, didn't grow up with the internet, got to adulthood without, I'm kind of like the last generation in one sense, because I was 18 before I'd ever heard of the internet, ever seen it, when I went to university. First time I'd ever even, it never been mentioned at school, not once, or, or college, because um, it was the early stages of it. It was 1994, and it was kind of like the real early stages of the internet. Was, they kind of started talking about this at, at university, and they started talking about email, and none of us, none of, literally none of us had a clue. The students, we were, you know, so you've got like real, like real brain, I'm including myself in this, but some real brainy, brainy people. Um, and they were like, we've given you an email address. We literally had no idea what they were talking about. We genuinely didn't. Like, like what, what the heck is electronic mail? What is electronic mail? What, what are you on about? They're like, you need to go on the World Wide Web, which we'd never heard of, and I'm clear what that meant. They said, they need to get, because that's what they used to call the internet. And then, and then they're they like, we need to log in. We're like, what's a login? We didn't have any idea what they're talking about. You know, so the world has changed a lot, hasn't it? Um, for me, I didn't have a uh, you know, mobile phone until I was 25 and a smartphone until I was 35. You know, so I didn't grow up in that era. And a lot of you, obviously, uh, would have been a lot older than that before these things kind of come around. So it can feel like we live in a young person's world. We know the Bible says it isn't right, regardless of what society does. In, in, a, in a church setting, that isn't right. We don't live in a young person's church. Amen? We're not a church that's only aimed at young people. We have a lot of kids and we have a lot of youth and we praise God for that. But we're, we're for everybody, and we honour you if you're if you're older. Remember, honour it literally means value. So if, if you're an older person, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you do feel this way, but I'm just reiterating it really that we honour you and we value you. We value your experience. We value your you've got incredible stories of your exploits for God, all the stuff that you've done. We we've, we value your wisdom. We value your prayers, and, and we value your example. So we honour older people. Amen? Let's, may that always be our culture. And finally, to bring this to a close, we honour 
each other. We honour each other. We value the whole church family. Obviously, we did a whole Sunday, didn't we, on we are family. We value the church family. Romans 12, verse 10, Paul writes, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. So we're encouraged there by Paul to, to honour each other, value each other upon, above the value we put on ourselves, to, to live for the benefit of other people. That's what a true church family should look like. It lives for the benefit of others. Romans 12, verse 10, that same verse in the New Living Translation, like the way it's translated, it says, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Love each other with genuine affection. May it be, may it be true, may it be real, may it be so authentic. Not something we're forced to, oh, I've got to love that person. No, may it be a true reality that flows out of who we are as believers. It's a love of God, that incredible and ending love of God that flows through us as it flows out to others. We don't want this to be something that's forced, amen, but to be authentic and real. But we value others above ourselves. We love each other with genuine affection. It's a real, it's a reality. We take delight in honoring each other. Let's be people who are intentional about that. There are people in your lives, people in this church that you can, you could be honoring more than you do. If it's challenging you this morning, maybe some people you're not valuing in the way that you should, let's do something about it. Let's be intentional about it. Amen? Let's be a people that, that pray for each other. Amen? Let's be a people that are always there for each other. Let's be a people that build relationship with each other. You know, family church, and I'm sure this is true of all churches, but I, I can speak more for family church just because obviously I'm so involved in it, is where, where church has been very much built on a, a relational basis. And if you know Pastor Andy and Pastor Stu, they're very relational people. And as pastors, we, we talk about this a lot. We, we want to be very relational pastors. And, you know, we're a relationship of churches all listed over there. We want to work in a very relational way, a very authentic way, a very, a very real way. Nothing, nothing's forced. It's all authentic. Amen? So let's be people that build relationship with each other. Amen? And remember, that take, takes two. Sometimes you, you can feel like, well, oh, well, no one ever talks to me. Well, why not be a friend of somebody else? Now, I would never, ever want anyone to feel that way. If you do feel that way, that's not the culture of our church, okay? So I don't want anyone to feel that way. But if you do, but if you do feel that way, happen to feel that way, be a friend to somebody else. We are a very relational church, and that's the desire for it to be that way. So let's pray for each other, be there for each other, build relationship with, with each other, be authentic, forgive each other. That's a huge thing, isn't it, in itself? Forgive each other. You know, no, no, we are forgiven. How, how can we not forgive? Amen? Praise God. Let's be authentic. But let's honor what God honors. Let's value what God values. He values the church family. He values marriage. He values older people. He values parent, good parenting. He values, uh, values authority. He values wealth. So we should honor him with our wealth. And we should also, above all of those things, honor Jesus and honor him with our life. But, by, but we are honoring Jesus by honoring these things, aren't we? Because it's what he values. We're valuing what he values. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just choose to be an honourable people. A people that give honour where honour is due. Lord, and first and foremost, before any of those other aspects of our lives, Lord, we give you the honour that is due to you. Lord, you deserve all the praise, all the thanks, all the worship, all the glory. 
Lord, all the magnification, Lord, it all belongs to you. Lord, so we honour you with our lives. We lay our lives down. We sacrifice our lives as we've sung about this morning. Lord, and we know we also honour you, Lord, by honouring what you honour, or what you say we should honour. We, Lord, we, Lord, by valuing, Lord, what we, we, by what you give us the example of valuing. Lord, so we do that. Lord, we honour each other. Lord, we honour authorities. Lord, Lord, we honour marriage. Lord, we want to honour you, Lord, with our wealth. Lord, we, we honour parenting. And our, if we are parents, Lord, our responsibility as parents, Lord, we, we honour that. We honour the church, church family. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just build us into the people that you desire us to be. Lord, change what you need to change. Change thought processes. Lord, change, change us. Lord, do whatever you need to do in us. Lord, we want to be more and more like you. Lord, we want your values, Lord, to be our values. What you honour, Lord, to be what we honour. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're such an amazing, amazing God. Thank you that you're just so good. I'm just going to pray just a second prayer. Just give an opportunity if anyone doesn't yet know God or maybe just gone off track. Maybe this this stuff about honouring has just just challenged you this morning, just kind of gone off track. Or maybe he's been challenged about whether you're honouring God as first place in your life. I was going to pray a prayer, and I just encourage you to pray this prayer whether you've never ever prayed it before, or you've never invited God into your life, or you just need to get things back right with God this morning. I'd encourage you to do that. If God's speaking into your heart now, then pray this prayer, and God you know, will come into your life. You'll get things back on track with him. Let's all pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising again so that I could have life and life to the full. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to change me, to restore me, to forgive me, and to make me new. I want to live for you. I want to honor you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. My Lord eyes are closed if you've prayed that prayer and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before or you're getting things back on track with god this morning just want you just to we'd just love to just chat and pray with you just ask you just to raise your hand nice and high so i can sit and say yeah that's me i prayed that this morning i want god in my life i need to get things sorted out with god this morning is there anyone this morning don't miss your opportunity thank you jesus you're so so good praise you lord lord we honor you lord may we value lord what, what you value but the world values what the world values, Lord. But we know your values, Lord, are totally different to the world's. Lord, may, Lord, we know we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Lord, if there's any of the world in us, Lord, I pray you, you, you will change us. Lord, if we've become of the world in any way, I pray you'll do what you need to do in us. Lord, show us those areas. Lord, we, wanna, Lord, we know we, can't, we have to stay in the world, Lord, but it doesn't have to change us. Lord, we want to be the ones changing the world, not the world changing us. Lord, we want to be changing the world for the better, Lord, through you. Thank you, Lord God. Do what you need to do in us, Lord God. And may we value what you value in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.